Well, good day to our listeners here at The Middle Podcast. My name is Jim Nelson, and I'll be your host for the next 15 minutes or so as we talk through the Word of God together, centered, as always, around our church's previous Sunday service. The Middle Podcast is a digital ministry of Living Word Church in Oak Harbor, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us this week. And I am hopeful that you find this a little bit of time that we get to spend together to be helpful to you in your journey and that it draws you closer to Jesus. So this fall, we've been working through biblical parallels and taking our cues from our Sunday services here at our home church. Now, if you've been listening for the last three weeks or so, you know that I've been working a week behind of the weekly sermon topic. Well, this week, I will catch up. It's a perfect week to do a double episode, and I'll explain how we'll do that. So if your first response is something like, I don't have the stomach for 30 minutes of Jim, first off, I won't hold anything against you. And secondly, don't worry, I'm sticking to the 15 minutes. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, Drew has us in a short sermon series as we get into the holiday season titled Memorial Stones. And Week one was a story of Jacob's life, and he is left behind in his family uh, and is on a journey in the wilderness. Now, there is an expression that is repeated throughout the Old and New Testaments that will pull us into this story. It's a description of our Creator, and it calls God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the phrase. And if you were to look who has repeated this phrase, it would reveal some very recognizable names, including God himself, when he is preparing Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 3, and Jesus even uses it uh, in his teachings in the New Testament. So you may say, oh yeah, I know this story. This is when Moses asked, who should he tell the Israelites when they ask, who sent you? And God responds with, I am. Many of you may know this verse well, and where we get to know God's personal name of Yahweh, right? And I'm sure that sounds very familiar to many of our listeners, but look earlier in that same chapter and see if you can find God's first description of himself even before his revealing of the name Yahweh. Do you see it in verses 1 through 5? Here's where we read of Moses tending his father-in-law's sheep, at the edge of the wilderness, and he spots a burning bush. He goes to explore this strange circumstance, and as Moses approaches, God calls out his name. Moses responds, of course, and God introduces himself. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are now on holy ground. And so a quick translation there, you're now in the presence of God. And then he says this, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there it is one of a number of descriptions of God. And like I said, this phrase is used to depict God in in many of the Old and New Testament stories. So there must be something to it that we should be able to see through this parallel theme that we're working through this fall. Our main character two weeks ago was Jacob. But if you were to read through each of the three characters' lives in the book of Genesis, you would see some really, really distinct similarities in all of these stories. And at first, you might think, it's a strange coincidence. But if you're familiar with biblical parallels, you should be clued in that something is going on here that will be or is significant. So I would encourage you to read through the three stories of these characters. It'll take a while to get through for sure, but look for the similarities that we heard from the story of Jacob that Drew spoke of a couple Sundays ago, that of a journey, a journey 
the pain of disobedience, uncertainties of the future, topics like that. But I want to point out today the faithfulness and promise of God that is revealed in all three stories. Look at Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3. Here's the promise to Abraham. God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, next to Isaac. This is from Genesis 26, 3 through 5. Stay in this land. Then I will be with you and I will bless you. For I will give you all these lands to you and to your descendants. And I will fulfill the solemn promise I made to your father, Abraham. I will multiply your descendants so they will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give them all of these lands. All the nations on earth will pronounce blessings on one another using the name of your descendants. All of this will come to pass because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So, in our parallel context, when we read the promise to Isaac, our mind should be link, making these links this, to this promise for Isaac to the promise given in Abraham. And you can hear the similarities and begin to see a constant and faithfulness, to use another word, in the nature and character of God with respect to the promises he makes. But he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So let's finish on Jacob in Genesis 28, verses 13 through 14. I am the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the ground you're lying on. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. All of the families of earth will pronounce blessings on one another using your name and that of your descendants. So many similarities in this promise. It's, it's actually just an extension of the Abrahamic, original Abrahamic promise to the sons and the grandsons. So what am I getting at today? Through the story of Jacob stacking stones from two weeks ago, as we read through his life, we should begin to recognize the repetition, the similarities in his life with that of his father and his grandfather. And those little aha moments hopefully spark something in us to want to dig deeper, to spark it, and it sparks a desire to ask the question internally, why am I reading this again? Different story, similar context. There must be something to it. And the bottom line is pretty simple. There is something to it. Let me explain by concluding part one of this with a question. Have you ever been reading through Scripture? And you've read that particular story before, but this time something pops out of the words that you've never heard or realized before. I do it many times. You can ask Kristen. I often say something like, we're talking over a lesson from the Bible, and I'll say something. I must have read this a hundred times before and never seen that perspective before, or never seen even maybe like an individual word before. If you've spent time with your Bible, I'm confident that you've had moments like that also. You want to know why? Here's why. The Bible is written to be read over and over throughout a lifetime. Psalm 1 says this, His delight is in the law or the word of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The Bible is written in a way that the first time through, maybe you just get a view from 
say 35,000 feet. And yep, we're going to use some aviation references here. Now, the next time you read through or the next time you fly, you're at a lower altitude, let's say, you can recognize that the green space toward the edge of that town below isn't a park, but it's actually a golf course. You see the layout and you see little sand traps down there. Maybe the next time you're flying during the approach, you're flying and you're looking out during the approach phase, right? Maybe around 5,000 feet, and you look out and you can easily recognize the Linwood Mall on final into Seattle. Kind of getting the picture. The more you do it and the closer you are to the word, the more is coming out to you. The Holy Spirit is just revealing more and more and more. And this is what's fascinating about our scriptures. Every time I reread it, it's designed to reveal itself more and more. These parallels we've been talking about for weeks, this repeating of the phrase God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's it's all intended to get us to slow down, to meditate, to pray over our time in scripture and see the story of Jesus through the Old Testament and the New. And that the nature and character of Jesus is being more and more revealed with each reading. These memorial stones that we're going through, the song of Habakkuk 3 that we talked about last week, the repeating of, the, of Abraham and his descendants' name, all of it is to get us in a posture of remembrance, to recollect what God has done and his promises and his faithfulness to us and unveil that central story of all of the scripture that Jesus was sent to complete all that we read in the ancient Israelite stories and bring this new covenant of love, love God, love others, that ushers in the kingdom of God. All right, that's part one in Jacob. Let's move into part two and get me caught up with our Sunday sermons. It's the story of Joshua. You heard it just this past Sunday. And the Israelites are crossing the Jordan River First off, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And if you're a regular listener, you've probably heard that statement from me many times before. I like a lot of the stories in the Bible. But this one has a special place because this is actually the story that is the foundation of the middle podcast. And I'm going to take our remaining time to give you the background. I don't know exactly, but probably around, I'm going to say two and a half to three years ago, I was reading through this story of Joshua, and and it's always intrigued me, especially around the transfer of leadership plot line, as Drew talked about a bit this past Sunday. I was drawn to this particular part of the narrative due to the repetitive nature of the waters being held back, right? Once, obviously, for our part here with the parallel to Moses in the Red Sea. But there was one thing that really caught my attention, so I'll do a little bit of setup and then show you that verse. So here's the setup. We are at a moment that two generations of Israelites have been wandering and waiting for the entry into God's promised land for this people group. God revealed an interesting way that they were going to do it, considering that the river was near its flood stage and and a plan was put in place. The priests were to lift up the ark and get it supported and on their shoulders and carry it out into the water's edge and just step in. And as we read, when they stepped in, we see that God holds back the waters at a distance so that the following Israelites could cross on solid ground. That's all remarkable. But I was drawn to Joshua 4.10. It says this, the people passed over in haste. I'll say it another way. They moved quickly and anxiously over the riverbed to get to the other side. And it got me wondering, why does this scripture talk about they're crossing this way? this haste and this quickness and this anxiousness. If you recall the story of Exodus, you know that God had demonstrated his faithfulness 
to them many times. Food, water, protection, guidance, all of that. They had a history of experience that should prove that God is nothing but faithful. But when I consider my middle of the week, there are many times when on Sunday I'm convinced God is the answer, but that doesn't always reflect my thinking or my actions or my uh, character on a Wednesday or Thursday in the middle of the week. What wall of water is being held up in a distance in my life that I think will come crashing down on me unless I hurry through the week, I hastily move through the week? I picture the two banks of the river to be our Sundays. That's one Sunday before, one Sunday after. There's provision and protection and guidance on those Sundays from God and His Word and His Spirit. And I picture the middle of that river to be the Monday through Saturday of our week, far from safety and the security of our gathering together. So there's an explanation where the name of the podcast, The Middle of the Jordan River, but that's just a title. Let me continue as to the why, because the end of the story is really disturbing for me to read over, and I'll show you that here in a second. Everybody makes it through the riverbed safely, and after one representative of each of the tribes emerges out with a stone from the river, the priests then come out, and then Joshua stacks the 12 stones near the city of Gilgal. And the place becomes a memorial and a worship place to their God who brought the Israelites into the promised land. As a quick aside, and in line with our parallel themes this fall, take a look at later stories that happen around this place of Gilgal, this town of Gilgal. And remember, as you run across the name of the story, pause just a second and see if your mind kind of wanders back to this crossing of the Jordan story. And what you'll see in a lot of those stories is focus on remembrance and worship and transition, all of which are included in the story of Joshua. What's really important is that God commands his people to keep telling the story of deliverance. When your kids ask why those stones are piled up, tell them the story of what God has done in your life. Just tell them. Keep telling the story. So I'll move quickly. A lot happened in Joshua's life through the book of Judges, but I'm going to take you to the end of Joshua's life and give you the why to the middle podcast. Check out Judges 2, verses 8 through 10. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in the hill country of Ephraim. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. In other words, the generation that was Joshua's generation, when they had all passed away, there arose another generation after them. Now listen to this. I, I need your attention really, really good here. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or his work that he had done for Israel. What happened? Joshua's generation stopped telling the story. They stopped going back to their stones and explaining to their kids how much God had done for them to get them into this promised land. For some reason, they stopped. I don't know why I could guess. If there's anything like today, they were busy, busy conquering, busy organizing the land, busy planting crops, busy making alliances, busy with soccer practice, busy at work, busy with Netflix, busy, 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 right? I, I just implore all of our listeners, if you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a grandparent, a friend, a co-worker, fellow student, we can't stop telling the story. That's the why for this podcast, to take part in telling the story and hopefully along the way give you some encouragement to do the same. I love the story of Joshua, and at the same time, I'm deeply upset 
with its ending. I pray that maybe this little bit of time we get to spend together this week, maybe it convicts you in some meaningful way that in this middle of the week, you're going to keep telling the story. All right. That's a two-for-one episode at the Middle Podcast. I'm hopeful you find it useful in the middle of the week and your walk with Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you next week right back here on this production. God bless.